This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome into this week's edition of the Pipeline Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Schusterman, joined by MLB Pipeline's own Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We are all back together finally after a few weeks of uh, scheduling conflicts and whatnot. But now the three of us, the, the big three, as, as we are known, are back. We're known- Hello, guys. How are you guys doing? We're, we're, we're going to win six we're, titles. Uh, seven, we're, we're known eight. as that by who exactly? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just trying to – you got to start somewhere. you got to start somewhere. If, if you start putting it out there, then people will be like, oh, yeah. It's a whispering that's, campaign. That's the big three. That's the big three. I like – Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about on this show. This this week's uh, episode is going to be devoted mostly to draft talk as uh, Jonathan just wrapped up at the NHSI, seeing some of the best high school players in the country. We're also going to be talking some other uh, big draft names because we're going to be mocking the top 10 picks. Uh, each of the guys are going to be drafting on behalf of the teams in the top 10, uh, not necessarily predicting who's going to go where, but picking who they would pick if they were running the teams in the top 10. But before we get to the draft stuff, I do want to give a little shout out to a couple uh, prospects already in pro ball who have, have gotten off to hot starts in the first week and a half or so of the minor league season. Uh, the first guy I got to start with is someone that we, we had talked a little bit about here on the pipeline pod, Nolan Gorman, a Cardinals third base prospect. And he went to rookie ball last year and, and really crushed it. Uh, he seems to have not slowed down uh, since, since last year, he's already off to a great start in low a. Uh, are you, Oh, I think is that Nolan Gorman calling? Is that Nolan? Here, here, his ears are ringing. Oh, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! What, what he is, wants what to is talk Nolan about the uh, the freakish uh, basement play with Matthew Libertor, where oh he spun yes, around. yes, yes. If if you haven't seen that video, I highly recommend it. Uh, but but Jonathan, let's let's start with you. What, what are you surprised Gorman is, is continuing to do what basically he was doing all of last season, or? I mean, obviously, we, I think all of this part of the podcast is, comes with the small sample size caveat. Yes. Uh, no, I'm not. Indeed. I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, the fact that he made it to full season ball last summer was, you know, a bit of a surprise. But I think uh, his sort of field of hit was better than people expected, maybe. And, and he's just continued it. And, uh, you know, I feel like I should, you know, jokingly say something alarming about his strikeout rate, but I don't, I don't <laughs> care because he's hitting like over 450 and he's hit a couple of homers. He's got a bunch of extra base hits. Uh, he homered in back-to-back innings, I think it was uh, the other day. So um, yeah, he, he is right where he should be. I think the, what's going to be interesting is if he continues to tear it up, the Cardinals often will take their better hitting prospects and double jump them over Palm beach because Palm beach is where good hitters go to die. And you can often mess up your approach and, but he's 18, right? So I don't know if like, is he going to be in double a as a teenager this year? I, well, it's gonna be interesting to see how, how he gets handled if he continues to, to hit like this. 
Yeah, and and Jim, do you see a scenario where where he? Re- I mean, I guess we saw Joe Adele last year reaching Double A as a teenager, the year after he was drafted. Um, is that conceivable for a guy like him? Does that make sense? There's not exactly a rush. You know, St. Louis has a very crowded uh, infield already. Uh, but is it a situation where no reason to push him unless unless you really think he's already Double A worthy? Yeah, I would be kind of shocked to see him in Double A this year. I mean, I, I'll admit I was shocked to see Adele there last year, especially when. Adele in the draft, there were questions, you know, which appeared to be overblown about how much he'd be able to hit pro pitching. You know, with Gorman, I mean, even though he's tearing it up, you know, as Jonathan mentioned, small sample size, I'll bet they give him at least the better part of the first half of the season in low class A because he's still one of the youngest guys at that level. Um, they've got, you know, the other thing to remember, they got El Harris Montero ahead of him also. So, and I haven't necessarily, you know, again, it's small sample size, but, you know, you, you you probably would more be likely to move Montero. Well, I guess Montero's in Double A. I didn't. I'd miss that, which surprised me a little bit too. So I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I guess they could. Um, but like, I I just be surprised. I bet it's more half season high, low A, half season high A for Gorman because he's only eighteen years old right now. Yeah, that's that seems fair. Now Gorman, of course, just drafted last year. He's he's speeding through the system. Uh, another guy off to a hot start who. Uh, who signed uh, out of Cuba a couple years ago with the White Sox. He's been one, one of the more enigmatic prospects in baseball. Luis Robert, uh, outfield prospect for the White Sox, he is currently in high A, and he's also off to a, a quite a good start. Now, he's still only 21, but he has dealt with some injuries since he's been in pro ball, but he's also off to a great start. Already four home runs on the season for him. Now, he's a guy, his, his tools have always been there. Uh, Jonathan, is this just a matter of if he's healthy and on the field, he's going to be a star, or... Is he even maybe again small sample size? Obviously, uh, that this the hit tool could be even better than we expected. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's all unknown because he's been banged up so much, and that even when he's been on the field, he's not been necessarily healthy. Uh, you know, or you know, he hasn't gotten the reps and, and things like that. So, um, I. I you know, he, he showed really good tools when he was in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, I thought that was a very good sign. And I think that time probably helped him, you know, to carry it over to the, to, to this year. Um, I don't think he's going to be in the Carolina League for very long, uh, you know, for a number of reasons. It's not that he's old. He's, what, 21. But they're going to want a return on the investment, I think. not You know, they're not in a hurry. So I, I, I think it, maybe it's midseason, but – He's going to at least finish in double A, maybe even finishes in triple A. I could see him uh, just putting up ridiculous numbers all year. Um, no, he's not going to hit 420 and what, four homers in six games. That's not going to continue. But he does everything fairly well. And, uh, and I think he's going to continue to showcase those. All of those tools are going to start showing up more consistently the longer he's on the field and the more reps he can consistently get. Yeah. And Jim, he's already, you know, on top a hundred, but I mean, how high could he climb if he does have a huge statistical season? Um, I think he could climb pretty high. I mean, if, if we're talking about ceiling, I mean, you could legitimately say up near the top. I mean, he's, he's off to great, you know, he's hit more home runs this year than he hit in his entire pro career, which had only consisted of 78 games, but you know, four and six. I mean, he, he had, you know, when I saw him in the fall league, you know, probably the best combination of, you know, if you're just doing, you know, metrics, you know, exit velocity and, and pure sprint speed. I mean, the tools are, 
are, are pretty amazing. And, you know, we talked about last week on the podcast that, um, you know, it's an unusual top 100 in that so many guys at the top are, are pretty much close to big league ready or, or in the big league. So, I mean, when you take into account that, I mean, right now we've got Robert, you know, at number 39, that maybe two thirds of the guys could graduate. Like I, I could, if Robert, I mean, he's not going to keep this up, but if Robert, you know, I, I don't I'm not going to project a 1445 ops for the season, but if he tears it up like this and, and, and plays, you know, you know, if he has a 25, 25 season, I mean, he could rank in the top 10 prospects in baseball by seasons in. Yeah, that's true. That a lot of guys just may, might be getting out of the way uh, just by nature of graduation, not necessarily him leaping over them, but he's definitely had a hot start. Now on the pitching side of things, of course, these guys have only, uh, you know, had one or two starts, um, but I did want to mention uh, a couple couple names. Uh, Jonathan, there's there's one high school pitcher from from last year's draft uh, that you that, that had a nice nice first. Yeah, start I, I think it's kind of an interesting guy, uh, and because he for a lot of people was an, a bit of an overdraft. The Orioles took Grayson Rodriguez number eleven overall. Um, most people saw him uh, going further down than that, uh, especially given the fact that high school pitching tends to uh, sort of settle down to the lower end of the first round or out of the first round. Uh, but he went 11 overall and you know, didn't pitch a ton last summer, but he pitched well uh, uh, in the Gulf Coast League. He made full season Delmarv in the South Atlantic League out of spring training, which maybe that surprised some people, and then just went out and was ridiculously good in his first start, struck out 10 in a five-inning start, gave up two hits and two walks. Um, so he's now, you know, in a brief amount of time between last summer and this year, is 30 strikeouts and 24 in a third inning. So it's uh, it's a very encouraging start for a guy that a lot of people thought may have been overdrafted a little bit or may have been the kind of high school arm that would have uh, stayed back in extended spring training, even if he went to full season ball eventually. Um, if not, you know, with an in-between step like a, um, you know, like a New York Penn League or something like that. So uh, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a good start. We'll, we'll see how it continues to go from here. Yeah. And, and Jim, where do you think Grayson Rodriguez kind of fits in? You know, the Orioles are super duper rebuilding. Um, they've not had the greatest track record of developing pitchers over the years. Now with the new front office in-house, is this a guy maybe to get more excited about because it's a new group that's kind of bringing him along? Uh, I, I don't read too much into that. I mean, I think talent's talent. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to turn him into something that's not. You know, just because they got you know, Michael Elias and Sig Megdahl came over from the Astros, they're not going to turn Grayson Rodriguez into Forrest Whitley necessarily. Um, <laughs> right. Although they kind of had similar backgrounds as Texas high school right-handers. But, I mean, I mean, it's a guy with good, you know, really good stuff. I mean, it could be plus fastball, plus slider, plus curve by the time all is said and done. And, you know, I think the key with, with the high school pitchers especially, and if you're a franchise like the Orioles that, you know, is going nowhere, I mean, five and six might be as close to 500 as they get this year. <laughs> just take it slow. You don't need to rush this guy. You, you know, if, if he spends the whole year in the Sally league, like Jonathan said, I don't think it was a slam dunk necessarily that he'd start the year uh, in low class a, you know, a lot of times with high school guys, they'll, they'll keep him out of the early season weather. Um, well, that's more true in the Midwest league than the Sally league. Um, but you know, just don't rush this guy. I mean, you know, talent wise. Yeah. I mean, he, he and DL hall have the two highest ceilings, in that system. I mean, you could argue which one you like better. Um, 
you could kind of, you know, they've got some position players too, and, and using Neil Diaz and Ryan Mountcastle, Austin Hayes, who you, you know, there, there's good things about those guys and, and you could punch some holes in them too. So if you want to argue, I mean, I, I think you could go out of the way if you want to and make an argument that Grayson Rodriguez could have a case to be their number one prospect or DL Hall could. So they, it's just going to take time. I mean, that's the big thing in Baltimore. They're going to be bad for a while. That's not going to change. And you got to look down the road three, four, five years and not so much, hey, how can we become better in 2020? Right. I think Rodriguez especially represents that that lower level wave that's so important. A lot of the guys they got in those trades last year were already at the upper levels, like the Diaz and, and some of those arms. So I'll be interested to see how how those the, the Halls and Rodriguez of the world are developed in that system uh, over the years. So, uh, Jonathan, you, you, you mentioned Rodriguez. He was a guy who, who was just drafted last year at a high school. And we missed you last week on the podcast because you were at the NHSI uh, in North Carolina watching some of the best high schoolers uh, for this upcoming draft and next year's draft. And there's an article on MLB Pipeline right now, your top 13 draft prospects um, who performed at, at the NHSI this past week. Um, so we, we, we could just go down this list, but I'm curious if there's one name of, of a guy who really raised his stock the most uh, in this event. Am I allowed to name two? So one is, you know, I mean, he came in as one of the better prospects there, and that's Brennan Malone. But he uh, he raised his stock uh, quite a bit, or as scouts would say, he made himself some money. Uh, the guy over the summer would show flashes of really electric stuff, especially the fastball breaking ball combination. He's athletic on the mound. But he struggled with command. It, it wasn't consistent. His pitch counts would be would be up, and then the stuff would kind of suffer in like the third inning, you know, of work at events like Tournament of Stars. And then he went out uh, in HSI, and not only was lights out, but did it in in complete game fashion. He was really efficient. He threw a ton of strikes. Uh, he was up to 96 the, uh, repeatedly. The velocity was there at the end of the start. Um, he struck out eight over seven innings. Uh, you know, he threw, I don't know what the total was, but it was like 90-something pitches. He was, you know, throwing 80 pitches in three innings over the summer. I mean, it was, it was, it, he was laboring and uh, often would have like two good innings and that third inning would be bad. So this was... Uh, a really good start. And then I think the other guy who showed well was Anthony Volpe, who uh, I put number two on my list. Uh, and, and he's one of these guys that like is the type that the more you see him, the more you like him. But if you saw him one day, you'd be like, all right, that's a nice little player. Maybe he'd be a good college player, but he can do a lot of things pretty well. Um, he's got tremendous instincts and that helps it all play up. Uh, but he, Pretty much everything he hit was hard. He even hit a homer, and power is not supposed to be a big part of his game. The ball does not carry a ton uh, at uh, USA Baseball's National Training Complex. So I was very impressed with how he looked on both sides of the ball. And, you know, he'll probably – Jim and I are actively working on our top 100 right now. He, he's going to be in the top 100. If I had to guess, he'll be sort of tucked in towards the back. But I don't know that he was – a slam dunk top 100 guy before his NHSI performance. So I want to go back to Malone for a second because last week on the podcast, Jim and I discussed how thin the pitching is in general in this draft, certainly on the college side. Is Malone the kind of guy that with this kind of performance, 
he could make an argument for being the first pitcher taken, or is that maybe aggressive? I mean, we were talking about there are so many other hitters that are so many hitters that could be locks to be taken before any of the pitchers. Um, I mean, Jim, do you think, you know, based on this performance at HSI, he could, he could be that first arm taken? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to draft the guy based on one performance, but he, but he, but he, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to determine everything, but yeah, you can make that argument. I, I do think right now the top uh, pitcher in the draft, if the draft were today would probably be Nick Lodolo at Texas Christian. And uh, I hope Dan O'Dowd's listening because he gave me a hard time in a pre-production meeting at the MLB Four po- uh, broadcast when I said I thought he had a chance to be the first college pitcher taken this year. But but Lodolo's had a really nice year, and I think after him, it's probably one of the high school kids, either Matthew Allen or Brennan Malone. And and you know there, there's not like there's a, a flat out consensus on these guys. And I'm sure out of 30 teams, there there are probably at least a handful that they probably have Malone you know, as possibly being that first pitcher taken. It's, it's going to be interesting because I, I I still feel like like it won't work out this way, but I, I think you could make a case for taking 10 hitters before a single pitcher comes off the board in this year's draft. It, it's so tilted in favor of the hitters this year because the college arms are way down. The college hitters are deeper than usual, and there's a good group of high school position players as well. Jonathan, do you agree with that, that, that you would – comfortably take uh, roughly 10 here yeah, without even like looking at the, you know even our top old top 50 that that sounds exactly right to me and you know even these high school arms um there are there's well there's always the question mark behind mm-hmm. you know, high school arms but you know malone is projectable and he's athletic but he hasn't exactly done it consistently allen is a little more uh, you know he's was good over the summer and has gotten better this spring and he's big and strong and already physical so that there may be a little more comfort in like, all right, this is what we're getting. Um, but he, he's still a high school arm who before the the summer and especially before the spring wasn't thought of as highly. And uh, I would put Allen ahead of Malone because of that consistency factor. But if you told me that neither one of them goes before the middle of the first round, I, I could certainly believe that. Well, we're gonna we're gonna put this this theory to the test right now because we are going to conduct a a, a ten team mock draft for ten picks from the Orioles at number one to the Giants at number ten. You guys can alternate, and I do. Either of you feel especially strong about taking Adley Rutschman? Which one of you wants the opportunity to take Adley Rutschman? Number one overall. No, no, no. Your your job as podcast is to just tell us who we're picking, so there's no controversy. And I and I and a rare, rare. You you won't believe this coming out of my mouth, Jonathan. I don't think we have to go serpentine yeah. here because we're not drafting player. We're not drafting guys no. for ourselves. We're just mock drafting. So I think we can just alternate picks here. Yes, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, so in that case, I am going to give that first pick to Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, congratulations. Uh, you were the worst team last year. You have the number one pick. And, and, and why don't you lead us off? And, and, and I will take Adley Rushman. Um, oh, you know that, okay. I know. What? Shocking. I, I really oh, shocked the Blowing up the draft boards. Everyone um, is, every, is everybody thought he was going to drop. Uh, I mean, listen, he was number one on our top 50 in December. All he's done is separated himself even more. Um, he is by far and away the best player in this draft class. Uh, I don't, I don't even think you, you could argue that anyone is, is better. Uh, maybe there will you know, be conversations with, 
the Orioles will have with other players and bonus pool and Mike Elias coming from the Astros. They often would look to be created that way. But if they're going to not worry at all um, about the sort of financial part of it, and, you know, Jim has brought made this point countless times since we've talked with this new pool system, no number one pick has ever signed for full pick value. So you're sa- you're going to save money anyway. But even if they they put it aside and they're like, we want to just take the best guy, it has to be Adley Rushman. I mean, he he can do it all on you know on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, hit for average, hit for power. He's a good catcher. Um, you know, th- 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 there there's nothing left really to say about him other than the fact that he's ready to enter pro ball. And I think he could, you know, catchers sometimes don't move as quickly because of all the different things they have to learn, but I think he's going to move pretty quickly. Yeah. No, no, no surprise there uh, for anybody expecting uh, Jonathan to go away off the board. All right. Well, Jim, we move to you. Number two, the Kansas city Royals are on the clock and you are selecting. Well, here's here. I think when we do our list and we haven't, we haven't gotten far enough along to where we've actually talked about, how we're going to update the list and expand to a hundred. I have a pretty good feeling, Jonathan. I don't know if you feel the same way that Andrew Vaughn will probably be mm-hmm. number two on the top 100, the California first baseman, who's the best hitter in this year's draft, but I'm not going to have him go to the Royals at number two, because while you don't draft for need, and we say that all the time too, especially at the top of the draft, the Royals spent a first round pick on a first baseman two years ago in Nick Prado, who, who I like a lot. And I think they're more apt. The, the, the Royals have always been an, an organization that's that's kind of prioritized athleticism. So I think that that could be another factor not taking Andrew Vaughn. Um, you know, Dayton Moore's big on building culture. I, I think they would go Bobby Wood Jr. And I guess we should qualify that. We haven't talked to anybody. Yeah. I haven't talked to anybody with the Royals to find out that they're not on Andrew Vaughn. So even though I think I'm just my point is I would put Andrew Vaughn. In a, a vacuum, I would take Andrew Vaughn number two, but because they just took a first baseman two years ago, and I know you don't draft for need, but it's first baseman. You can't keep drafting first base with first round. I'm giving him Bobby Wood Jr., who's, who's got a chance to, you know, be a you know 25, 25, you know, very good defender at shortstop, um, and, and so that's who I'm going to go with the Royals at number two. Good. All right, a little bit off the board there, but I but I like it. But I like it. All right. We go back to you, Jonathan, with the Chicago White Sox. Andrew Vaughn now sitting there, almost asking to be taken. Yeah, Are you yeah of course. I mean, that eruption you heard was the White Sox uh, <laughs> draft room uh, going nuts because, I mean, just draft history. Last year, Nick Madrigal. 2017, Jake Berger. 2016, Zach Collins. 2015, uh, they went pitcher Carson Fulmer. But anyway, a lot of college bats. Uh, yeah. A lot of college players. There isn't a college arm that they would take at number three this year anyway. Um, so uh, Andrew Vaughn is the the guy that they would love to be able to take, I think. And they will happily take him if the Royals take Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, and not having to then contemplate what they will do if Rushman Vaughn end up going one, two, then they may have to kind of alter their their approach to how they've drafted with you know at least at the top of their drafts the last several years that makes a lot of sense they'll see if they go i guess fifth straight fourth or fifth straight year with the college bat um that would be very interesting all right number four the miami marlins 
you and Jeter are working on your pick, Jim, and who's it going to be at number four? Yeah, Derek's called me a few times about this. We're still working it out. But uh, I, I'm going to go C.J. Abrams. I'm going to go – it's weird. I, I don't know if, if Johnson's going to take all college guys. I'm going to take all high school athletes. But uh, um, And, and you know, get, just to touch on the Andrew Vaughn pick, I, we, I swear we've been thinking since November – that he would be like a classic White Sox pick, even when we didn't have him number three. Yeah, I think, what did he begin? To, well, I guess he's number three on our board, but like we were thinking that back then. But I, I'll go C.J. Abrams. You know, the Marlins, I, I think, are, are going to be a, an organization as they try to rebuild with a new regime. You know, you saw it last year. They prioritized athleticism in the draft. They took Connor Scott, took Will Banfield, who's athletic for catcher. They took Osiris Johnson, who's hurt. I'm giving him C.J. Abrams, who can really hit. He's got some deceptive power. Um, he can, he's one of the better runners in this draft. He probably has the best combination of athleticism and aptitude among the top prospects in this year's draft. I think there's still maybe a little bit of a question. Is he shortstop long-term easy to center fielder, but the tools profile very well, at both spots. So I don't think that's a, that, that, that's a real concern in the long run. You prefer shortstop if it's center field. So be it. So I'm going CJ Abrams to the Marlins at number four. And Jonathan, you just saw C.J. Abrams at NHSI. Uh, is this is this crazy? Is this a reach, or is this you know? I, before we get to your pick with the Tigers, is this figured? No, I I don't think it's a reach. I, I in full disclosure, I saw him one game, and he didn't do that much. He he had an okay tournament. Um, the athleticism and the actions were fantastic. Um, his makeup is off the charts. I mean, this is a kid who he has played shortstop his whole life. He made he, he was a member of Team USA over the summer and played center field uh, because of Bobby Witt and you know guys who play for those national teams tend to be willing to move around, you know, do whatever it takes to be able to play on a team like that. And he was willing and looked pretty good out in center. So uh, it gives teams an idea that if short for whatever reason doesn't work. Um, He'll be just fine in the outfield. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a, a bad pick at all. All right. Well, then let's move on to number five, the Detroit Tigers, and uh, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm curious. This is where you could go a lot of different directions. So who, who I, uh, are you going here at number five? It's funny. I'm not a hundred percent sure. This is like I think where <laughs> we're holding you know. to this. We're locking in your final mock draft it. pick. Yeah. Whoever you say right now for Tigers. You have well, to put number you know, five the rest of the way. There was a time where whoever the, like the sort of power college arm was, that's who I would give them. Um, but yeah, that guy but that doesn't really. <laughs> who is well, that? Really problem, right there, there isn't that guy. <laughs> so do I go Nick Lodolo or do I just you know completely go off the board? I don't. I don't see them taking Lodolo uh, at that at that spot. Like so, I, I feel like there is a drop off. Um, you know. After even after the top three, but after Abrams, um, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them, man, <laughs> give them Riley Green. Ooh, okay, all right, um, high school going to the high school high school I, bat. Who you and, also you know, and this is more like maybe what I would do as opposed to trying to figure out the Tigers' mo. Um, because I, I just I love high school guys who can really hit and he can really, really hit. Now, if you believe in the in power, then he probably goes in the top five. If you don't believe in the power, then maybe not as much. Um, 
scouts I talked to, uh, he was at the NHSI, but I didn't actually get to see him. Um, but scouts I talked to said that he is in a lot better shape. He looked much more athletic. His run times were better. He con- you know, covered a lot more ground in the outfield to the point where now there are some people who think that maybe he can play center. He probably ends up in a corner spot. I think the power is going to come. He's shown it uh, in glimpses enough. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to go with Riley Green as sort of the next best player on the board. That is, that is a fair pick. Yeah, there, again, no, no wrong answers, obviously, especially in a mock draft on April 10th. But all right, let's move to the sixth pick. The San Diego Padres already, uh, of course, known for their awesome farm system. But, Jim, who are you going to add to that awesome farm system? I, just, I, I like the pick of Riley Green at five. I, I, don't, I, mean, I think he's the best high school bat in the draft. Um, and I don't think you can go wrong on taking a guy like that. And, you know, you can, like Jonathan said, you can debate the power, but like I might consider him at six, you know, Potters are picking sixth. I mean, here's another organization that prioritizes athleticism. Um, you know, they've gone high school lefties in recent years that there isn't a high school lefty to take this high. I don't necessarily see them taking Nicola Dolo either. Um, and I, I think so that would leave me with position players. You know, I'm trying to think where I want to go here. I guess high school-wise, I'd be looking at guys what like Corbin Carroll mm-hmm. probably. College-wise, it would be – you know, there's a lot of college guys. There's, there's Bryson Stott. There's, there's the outfielders like J.J. Bladé and Hunter Bishop. Um, Josh Young probably isn't going this high. Cameron Meisner probably isn't going this high right now. Well, I, I guess I'm saying I, – I, you know, I'm going to give him Bryson Stott. I, I'm going to go with positional value. He, he's an up the middle guy. He's a shortstop. You know, he, he's got some, some nice, can speak nice array of all around tools is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, they, you, you can argue again, you don't draft for need that they don't necessarily need anything because they got Tatis at short and Urias at, at second base, but you right. can really point to any position on the diamond and say the Padres don't really need it. So I'm going to say Bryson Stott. And again, we're just kind of trying to, read tea leaves here there's no real insight that these teams are are all over the guys we're mentioning yeah that makes sense right there's there's no one you're when you've got tatis and machado it's like it's hard to think that far ahead but but totally 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 reasonable pick i like like that pick there at number six all right jonathan back to you number seven cincinnati red you know you look recent history they've uh they've gone the college bat route jonathan india nick senzel Um, Mm, so i'm i'm tempted to go in the same direction again. Um, but like the next, I feel like there's a, a, a decent drop off, you know, Stott's got very good tools, but even he has not, it's not performed fantastically. So, sure. you know, so that's, that's a tough one. Um, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, sort of give a tip of the cap to the college position player who has done more than anybody to raise his stock, and that's Hunter Bishop. Yes, great pick. Arizona State. Sorry, I'm I'm supposed yeah. to be objective here, but well, thank great you. Pick. That would be awesome <laughs> if, like, during the draft, Commissioner Manfred was like, "Whoa, great pick, great one! I like he's had a great season." Or, no, I, I guess, guess it would be even be better if he was like, "I can't believe he took that guy." Um, but uh. So, you know, this is, uh, you know, Braden Bishop's younger brother. Braden is a, a solid prospect in, in the Mariner system. But uh, Hunter is a guy who always had some offensive tools, but wasn't always consistent. And he has been, 
you know, thus far consistently out, after Rushman and, and Vaughn and uh, the best hitter in, in college baseball. And, you know, Vaughn started out insane. He had like seven homers in his first 18 at bats or whatever it was. And he's quote unquote cooled right. off. Uh, so you could even make the argument that Bishop's been more consistent. Um, he, but he has been, he's been very, very good. The only reason that I pause for a second is that the Reds, when they've taken college bats up the side, it's been guys on the dirt, but there isn't a college infielder that I like in that spot. So I'll go with Bishop. All right. So Bishop goes number seven to Cincinnati. Uh, all right, number eight, Texas, Jim. I'm just going to, again, I, I see all these organizations that kind of prior, eh, prioritize. I can't say my <laughs> words today. Prioritize al- uh, athleticism. I'm still struggling. I'm just going to go for the best player on the board. I don't see a great up-the-middle player necessarily to take right here. I'm going to take another college outfielder, and I'm going to go with J.J. Blade of Vanderbilt, who came into the year with a, a reputation as one of the, the better um, – the better hitters on the college side. There's some questions about his power, but he's, he's hit 14 home runs this year, including two last night. So I, I think people felt like the, the power was in there. It was just a question of whether he was going to get to it. And he has, and I think he's firmly put himself in that kind of six to 10, six to 15 range. So while I could see the, the Rangers, if there was a guy, whose athleticism jumped out at him, maybe going that route. I think they're they're going to give them J.J. Blade for right now. All right, J.J. Blade to Texas. We move to number nine, where the Atlanta Braves will be selecting, uh, of course, because they did not sign Carter Stewart last year. So they will have this comp pick. And Jonathan, who will yeah, be taking so Atlanta? Yeah, so I think this is where, like, the, the first spot where you would look at projectable high school arms. Although things have changed, you know, like, I, I, it's a different – operating procedure now and you know, the the sort of top scouts uh who in the past may have been sort of pounding the table for that aren't there so, good point good point um right and, and i'm not even sure which high school arm that would be would it be brendan malone would it be matt allen uh would you reach for a daniel espino i like i i don't i don't think so all right, so the Braves. I think I'm going to go back and take the the another high school bat, a guy who can who can really hit, and that's Corbin Carroll. Uh, doesn't necessarily fit the Braves' mo, but this is a guy who you know he's from the Pacific Northwest, so you always want to wait and see what he does against better competition. And he had a really really good summer. Uh, he can hit, he can run. There's more pop than you would think. Uh, for a guy his size, um, he could just really play. And out, after Riley Green, for me, he's the best high school hitter in the country in terms of the the pure hit. So uh, that's why I will give him the nod. All right. So Corbin Carroll to Atlanta at number nine. All right, Jim, you're going to wrap us up here at number 10 with the San Francisco Giants, our final pick in our super way too early mock draft. Who's it going to be? You know, the guy who isn't going to wind up going in our top 10, and we had ranked four coming into the year, is Shea Langlier is a bailer who's, who's had a handmade injury, hasn't been at his best, his numbers haven't been great. I still think he could sneak into the top 10 somewhere, but I'm not giving him to the Giants who just took Joey Bart with the number two overall pick last yes. year. Um, you know what? I'm going to continue the steam of no pitchers in the first 10 picks. I'm going to go with, with, with the guy who I liked coming into the year, who, who I think is going to come on between now and the end of the season. But Cameron Meisner of 
uh, at Missouri has, you know, just, you know, and he was a guy who could fit in with, with some of these teams. I was talking who like athletes. He's not having a great year because he's really struggling in SEC plays five for 44 in the SEC right now because he's trying to do too much. But this is a guy who can show you pluses really across the board. It's great makeup. And so I'm going to I'm going to go with my gut feel guy and put Cameron Meisner at number 10 to the Giants. And if he if he comes on in the SEC, he may not last 10 picks. Yeah, that, that that's true. Right? If, if you can count the right time, ultimately, that, that five for 44 probably won't end up mattering uh, for him. But all right, well, this has been a lot of fun. We will see just how accurate your April 10th mock draft. <laughs> oh, oh, I can do not you, check this in too it, much. But I won't no, be, I won't be. Uh, I won't be giving you guys uh, uh, too much too. you know, I'll let, I'll let it slide because it is April 10th, but I've enjoyed the exercise. This has been a lot of fun. That's going to do it for this week's pipeline podcast for Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. I'm your host, Jordan Schusterman, and we will talk to you guys next week. We'll be right back.